We have an exciting episode for you today. Uh, this is, I believe, our first double feature episode, and it is the season finale for season seven. We have watched all of the Fast and Furious films, uh, but this is a warning that this episode will contain explicit language. It will also contain spoilers for Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw, released in 2019, directed by David Leach. And it will also contain spoilers for the second part of this episode, which is about F9, released in 2021 and directed by Justin Lin. I hope you enjoy. Feel free to uh, leave a rating for this podcast and feel free to reach out to me via email if you want to talk about uh, what I should do for next season. Enjoy. Here we go. We are on the season finale of season seven. This is episode 76 of the podcast. And tonight, uh, or today, I'm not sure exactly when I'm releasing this. It might be tomorrow or maybe late tonight. Uh, but Stephen and I are talking about two movies. We're talking about Hobbs and Shaw and F9 in this episode. So... Without further ado, I would like to welcome um, the Shaw to my Hobbs uh, onto the podcast again. Welcome, Stephen. How are you doing today? Uh, thanks, Zach. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I have some fun dog news today since our dogs are basically podcast members now. Yeah. My dog made a little girl cry. I love that you were just telling me dog news outside of the podcast and you did yeah. not tell me this news. Yeah, I had to keep the juicy news for <laughs> the podcast. Well, go on. Uh, well, yeah, it was just walking around. There's a you know, little girl and her gram, grandma, grandpa outside. She's playing with Penny. She's just kind of rolling around on the ground and Penny was having fun. And then she rolled too close to the sidewalk and hit her head on the sidewalk. And then she went to the, her grandma and started crying. And it lasted about 20 seconds. And then she was playing with Penny again. So, so I feel like that's not your dog's fault at all. Um, no, but it's funny to say my dog made a little girl cry since my dog weighs 25 pounds. Yeah, yeah. Your dog is not the most intimidating. Um, but... When it comes to a squeaky toy, I mean, she'll tear that thing up, but... Uh, she will jump up to your face level and lick you uh, if, you're, if you're short enough, which the girl was. I speak only based on Instagram posts. I've never actually met your dog in the flesh, so... I'll have to change um, sometime. Yeah, sometime I will definitely meet this Penny dog in person. Um, How are you doing, Zach? I'm doing good. You know, I am drinking a White Claw. It is summer. Um, it is actually one of the colder days of summer so far in Seattle. It's only like 68 degrees, which for Seattle, pretty warm, I hate but it. it's not 110 degrees. So that's nice. Um, it yeah, I'm drinking a White Claw. Gone away from like 95 degrees here. I'm yeah. Dying every day. Yeah. I am pretty happy where i live right now but the whole pacific northwest is i'm not excited for smoke in the sky for the next like three months that's probably going to happen so yeah yeah but uh we are here today to talk about two 
brilliant movies, am I right? Yes, um, absolutely. So we're going to start with the next installment of this franchise that we ended off at last time, and that is going to be Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, so we're going to talk about Deckard Shaw, Luke Hobbs to start this episode, and then we're going to shift over to F9. Uh, but we'll start. Hobbs and Shaw, directed by David Leach, who is the director of Deadpool 2, I believe. I don't think he directed the first one, but I think he directed the second one. Uh, maybe he directed both. I might be wrong. Uh, but this is PG-13, 2 hours, 17 minutes, overly long in my opinion, released in 2017. Budget, $200 million, that's estimated on IMDb. And the cumulative worldwide gross is $759 million. And that's up till now, I believe. So um, different from the over $1 billion that the previous film got. <laughs> um, I do have a couple of facts, not very many. But uh, in this film, we have Vanessa Kirby in a pretty important role. And she stars as... Uh, Jason Statham, or Deckard Shaw's sister. Um, and in this film, she is supposed to be two years younger, I believe, than Deckard Shaw. And in real life, uh, Statham is 21 years older. Oh, that's what I was thinking. So pretty wild age difference. Uh, we're talking like um, uh, Sean Boswell age differences going on here um we've got uh roman reigns and the rock are both in this film of course the rock is luke hobbs and roman reigns is another wrestler who plays uh luke hobbs's brother and they are actually cousins so that's interesting um this film takes place two years after f8 and it was released, I believe, two years after F8. Um, and in this film, Kauai, the island in um, Hawaii, doubled as Samoa. So, yeah, that's all the facts I've got. Do you have anything you want to say about those facts before we dive into the film? I'm a little disappointed they didn't actually film in Samoa. You know, I'm, I think that they didn't film at all, but it did say doubled as Samoa, so I don't know if they filmed in both, but I assume they only filmed in Kauai. So, That's too bad. Because uh, I don't know why they would film in both. This, uh, the director, David Leach, whatever, yeah. has pretty, like, decent filmography so far in his short career. I did ever he... saw Deadpool, Deadpool 2. He is the buddy and uncredited director on John Wick to Chad Stahelski. Ah, yes. And he did do Atomic Blonde, which I never saw, but I heard good things about. And I am a Yeah, I didn't see that either. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, there's going to be a second one. I feel like Atomic Blonde is probably similar to John Wick, but I haven't seen it, so I can't be certain. Um, well, I'm a fan of these uh, stuntman, stuntman turned director movies. Yeah. I want to say that this film, Hobbs and Shaw, 
I don't think it should have been PG-13. And I think that they they edged so closely to R that they should have just gone for R at this yeah. point. Um, but maybe we'll talk about that a bit. Um, we can make our way kind of through this film. I have less notes for both of these films. When we talk about F9, I don't think either of us have tons of notes because we weren't writing furiously in a cinema or a theater setting. Yeah, um, I got no notes. Yeah. I will say there was one time when I took notes in a theater and that was during a college class when I saw guardians of the galaxy three times and I had to write about the soundtrack and I was like, I'm just going to sit in the very back of the theater. It was out for like five weeks. The third time I saw it and I just took notes in a notepad and I was like one of three people in the theater. So it worked out great, but not the best watching experience for a new film that you've never seen before. Um, I want to start with the opening of this film, uh, which is a weird acoustic song going on. Um, And then we go straight to the introduction of the villain who is uh, played by Idris or Idris Elba. Um, And there's this extremely cheesy line that I really don't like uh, where I think it's Vanessa Kirby's character says, who the hell are you? And all he says back is bad guy. And I was like, do you really want to jump jump there that quickly? Um, overall, the action in this first scene, I loved it. But I don't know why. Like, the script throughout this movie, in my opinion, was rough. And not my favorite. But we'll probably get to that more. Uh, what? But what do you think about that, the opening of this film? Yeah, I mean, I was just amazed that my man Idris had was like a villainous robocop with like the the fallout vats system built in his eyes i don't know if you played fallout probably not i have i used to be an xbox guy so oh there you go and i was just laughing at that and i also wrote down in my notes a reminder tokyo drift takes place like three years ago I just I keep thinking back oh, to no. the, the flip phones, and then now we have uh, Idris Elba with robot eyes. Yeah, technology exponentially better in this film than Tokyo Drift. Oh yeah, it's it's fun. Um, I don't think it's like that amazing. Like it's not my, the most memorable scene out of it. It's just a. Quick introduction, you get crazy tech. Um, Vanessa Kirby's pretty entertaining, so. Yeah, from so from there on out, kind of throughout the film, we're getting more of a split screen of Hobbs and Shaw. I mean, the, the title characters of this film. Um, also, this, this film is actually titled The Fast and the Furious Presents uh, Hobbs and Shaw, which I don't think they've done since Tokyo Drift. So... Um, it's another spinoff, although Tokyo Drift is kind of canon now, I guess. Um, but the opening, the, the intro to Hobbs and Shaw is interesting and I liked it. And they're doing a lot of kind of what they did in the last film between Hobbs and Shaw, and which is probably the reason why this film was even made where they're just playing off of each other. Um, but you, you get the pub guy who's, who's Deckard Shaw versus the gym guy who's Luke Hobbs. I don't know how the hell Deckard Shaw stays in shape at all. Cause he just wakes up and drinks beer all day. Um, 
and then can can fight but he cheats so it was because you know like imagine the calories you're burning when you take out an entire floor full of uh criminals right it's gotta be like a thousand right there but i mean luke hobbs is doing that too but he's still working out between those that's why dwayne johnson's so much bigger than uh little itty bitty shaw ah you know you're onto something (laughs) um but it's definitely like shaw has the smarts and hobbs has the muscle right um i think that's they they i think they try to make shaw more uh clever i think i think that's the their family uh traits between queenie hattie and decky yeah queenie hattie decky what's the other what's uh luke evans name i forget gosh shoot i forgot his name that's how important that one film that he was in is Um, that's too bad boy deckard and oh owen yeah oh yeah so yeah queenie (laughs) queenie hattie decky and oh although she um helen mirren in this film calls him dex and i was very confused at first and i was like that's a weird name to like shorten Deckard to like I think it would just be like Deck. Sounds pretty cool though, Dex. It does, but it's like that would be like D E X, and yeah, I well, really that know that's what makes it that. even cooler. <laughs> yeah, Dex. yeah. So I feel like he should have just kept it as Dex though. Like he didn't need to go with Deckard this whole time, and then finally now we get Dex. Um, but yeah, Hobbs opens a can of whoop ass at the beginning. And Shaw explains his uh, tactic of fighting as a champagne problem, where he's just going to use the champagne bottle to hit a bunch of people. Um, And I I like this entire opening. After that, though, I feel like this film was really dull to me. And maybe it's just me, but the trailer for this film got me really hyped, and I was really excited to watch it. but overall, I don't enjoy this film that much. And I don't know if it's because like the banter between Deckard Shaw and Luke Hobbs is just stale when it's the whole screen time. But I kind of want your opinion on that as well. Oh, I mean, I had a good time. I thought it was uh, they kept the pace up pretty well. I do think there's some dialogue parts that... uh are a little meh and there's like one i wrote down i forgot when it happened it was like the quote it's like that this is fast and the furious like jargon for stuff it's just like been tracking some dark web chatter about a super virus and it's just like this stuff just makes me roll my eyes it's like one point they're like it's just like he was you know black tech blood ops like, what the fuck is that <laughs> what are you talking about yeah but I mean, I I had fun with some of the banner stuff. Like, uh, I know the opening scene had like Hobbs flirting with the tattoo shop girl as he's like tattooing the criminal. Oh and, like, yeah, beating up other people. But he did, he did tattoo the "I love cops" on that guy, which will not age well three years from <laughs> <then>. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if that was uh, great back then, even because it's not that long long mm-hmm. ago but um yeah i mean i i think like 
they tried to draw on the dialogue they had together in what was it F eight, I think. Was yeah. when they shit talk each other a lot. That's I when think they're they like tried in the to prison draw on that a it. lot. And some of it hits, some of it doesn't. I think there's enough of the like nonstop action in between that I don't really mind. And I also just like both to stay them and Johnson, so Yeah. I think it's just a good cast. I mean, like, Helen Mirren looks freaking great. I don't know how old she is, but she looks awesome. She's 45. Jesus, she's old. Yeah, I feel like she... She's like 70-something. Yeah, she needs to be in this film more. Now, I know that that's probably not a realistic expectation, but... I don't like the one scene that she is getting in these films if they're going to use her at all, you know? Um, yeah. I, I want did like more scenes. I did like Deckard, like, shit-talking her for not breaking out of prison. Uh, that was pretty funny. Yeah. I did kind of lose it when they revealed that Hattie is Shaw's sister. I was just like, another Shaw? Good lord. Yeah. There's going to be more and more Shaw's. Maybe yeah, can't wait. Who is Deckard gonna gonna be with later in this franchise? Because he's gonna date someone, right? You think they're he's gonna, gonna date baby. someone? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this, but I want a baby Deckard. I mean, we know he's good at babysitting. We so. need a Fast and the Furious presents Bachelorette. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're <laughs> onto something here. It's it's Hobbs Shaw um of course tyrese can we have ryan reynolds as the host of this oh yes absolutely there there's the cameo for reynolds so this film really it doesn't take itself at all seriously and i think that might be the problem i kind of have with it is it's like too much cheesy going on um but as soon as ryan reynolds hits the screen in this diner where the rock and his daughter are eating um, or where uh, Hobbs and his daughter are eating and The Rock is eating 30 pancakes uh, while his daughter is eating like a normal portion. Um, but Ryan Reynolds shows up and it's pretty clear that he is playing like his Deadpool character. Like it feels like he's playing the same character. He's playing that... Ryan Reynolds. I think it's just but... Ryan Reynolds. It's like the same thing he does in uh, his commercials for mint mobile but that only really happened like after deadpool i feel like right yeah like, but i think like, deadpool, reynolds... there was no ryan reynolds it was just like an average uh rom-com actor i mean ryan reynolds was always like trying to make deadpool a thing like he was deadpool in that x-men origins movie that was fucking trash yeah so he's always wanted Deadpool. to be Deadpool, and I think it's because like he likes the personality and he finds that it fits his personality. I think there's a reason people like find the casting so good is I do think it's like I think it's just Ryan Reynolds' like comedy style and personality to a T. And so like he just has just been playing that now hmm. in everything. Yeah. And this is the same director as Deadpool too, so I'm sure they have like a pretty good relationship with the character that they want um 
Yeah, he's a CIA agent that is probably the most unprofessional CIA agent I've ever seen. Uh, not that I really know any CIA agents, but... Um, it was kind of surreal when that scene came up, because I was like, oh, it's it's this kind of movie. And so maybe that made me, like, honestly, like, it might have been a little more opposite for me. It was like when Ryan Reynolds came on screen. Yeah. He started doing his Ryan Reynolds shtick. I was like, okay, this is the kind of movie we got, and I just didn't... I just kind of went along with all the punches, you know. I just... I, I stopped caring about like dialogue and all that and i was just like just here to laugh occasionally and watch people punch other people yeah um I going like off of reynolds, that though i liked reynolds a lot you like him in this like, I, I i liked the scene where he's like infatuated with hobbs but it's not mutual i thought there's a couple like good jokes where Hobbs is telling him not to like talk in front of his daughter and then Ryan Reynolds is just like she's ready and hands him like the case file <laughs> I thought that was really good yeah but it was, it was fun it's, it's like the most memorable like supporting character the franchise has had in a while yeah that's probably true because all the all the supporting characters now are just main characters I don't know um I, I want to know what you think about the uh, the virus in this film and like the, the consequences of said virus and basically why this film is made and like the reasoning why Luke and, and Deckard are even uh, told to, to go after this guy. Um, I think the device that is used to bring the characters together and propel the plot forward is useless <laughs> and about as useless as, as it's been in like all the other movies except maybe you know like f7 where they were specifically fighting Shaw because he was going after him for the most part it's always been like some this is a software that's gonna ruin the world and this is a virus that's gonna destroy the world and that's like it's kind of at least for me it's like they talk about it at the beginning i'm like okay get over it get through the dialogue as fast as possible let's move on yeah so the, there's this virus that's basically the the main thing they're trying to get or or neutralize uh and then there's also idris elba who's just a robot person at this point um but there's also this like organization behind this that's just trying to pull missions to destroy the earth i guess do you remember Um, what they're called i just realized i forgot eteon 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 e-t-e-o-n i don't know exactly how you pronounce it but okay um yeah so the virus itself i think is a pretty poor uh part of this plot but Idris Elba's character does make it interesting. I don't remember his name. Do you remember his name in this film? Like his character name? It's Brixton. Brixton. That's right. Oh yeah. The last thing I wrote down is Brixton gets shut down. Um, But yeah, Brixton, I think makes this film pretty interesting. And I kind of wanted more Brixton. And I almost think they don't really need the virus at all. Like it could have just been Brixton as the bad guy uh, trying to hunt someone down or something like it doesn't have to have this weird virus backstory. 
Um, I do think, to credit to the virus part, it does propel the movie forward at a very fast pace, though, because it is like a 36-hour timer. Or oh, something that's true. On Hattie before it kills her. So it's like there, a lot of ground gets covered in this movie. They go a lot of places, and you have to do that fast in 36 hours. So it, it does, like, at least for me, one of the better parts of the movie was it didn't rest too long. It just kind of kept chugging. That's true. It is not, it doesn't feel like a very long film at all. And especially for a spin off film, two hours and 17 minutes is pretty long. So I will give them that, that it did not feel long. And there's a lot of action going on. Um, I really liked the motorcycles that the Edeon people use as well, that are yeah. basically transformers. Some Batman shit. Yeah, they're they're definitely better than the Batman one. Though. <laughs> they are. Like, I mean, we talked about. I think it was in uh, Too Fast, Too Furious, but I always forget which film the guy gets run over by a semi truck in his car. Yep, that can't that happen with these motorcycles because they can adjust to that. It's like the motorcycles have their own brain. Yeah, they um, saw the movie and they're like, "We have to get around this." Yeah, that's how you. That's how they got around it. Um, and it looks really cool. I almost wish they used that more, to be honest, in this film. Like, there's only two real scenes where they use that to their advantage, but there's some cool drifting going on uh, with motorcycles. I did want to know that if, like, motorcycles can actually keep up with cars, like these amazing cars that go so fast, because I would think that motorcycles would be slower because they have less power, but I don't know. Although there's less wind resistance, I guess. So I'm thinking too much into the physics of this. Um, what else? So I do think that Idris Elba is a little bit hurt for lines in this film as well. Like I, I just have a real problem with the script of this film. Um, but he is kind of just throwing around these things that don't, really mean anything like humans need to evolve okay but he's basically like under the control of this edian company or edian company yeah, he's, so he's a, a tech cult that just wants to augment people because they'll be stronger and smarter and faster and yeah. blah 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 so i had a problem with that i also have a problem with some of the humor i think really falls flat like there's the scene where they get on the airplane and it's kind of like a prank war that they're doing where uh, Deckard makes these aliases for uh, Vanessa Kirby and, um, and the rock. And he makes the rocks uh, alias Mike Oxmall. And yeah. I just don't really that think that's a... necessary. Um, they missed the mark on that one by like 10 years. <laughs> yeah, I also want to know what happens when uh, Hobbs is detained, because he gets detained for this alias, and then he's released within probably less than an hour. And I really just want to see that scene of him talking his way out. He says he got out because he was nice, or he's a nice person. Uh, so I really want to see, first of all, why he got detained for having the name Mike Oxmall. Uh, and second of all, how he got out of that detention. So I, th I think 
he I think it wasn't about the name. I think Shaw set him up or something with He like put something on yeah. the name or just something that triggered the system maybe it was yeah. like in his bags or something. Maybe, maybe I mean, he uh showed showed the uh security TSA his muscles when they let him go. We do all know that Mike Oxmall is an extreme terrorist in real life. Yes. Um, so there is that. Um, there's a scene that I do really like and reminded me of Too Fast, Too Furious, where they eject from planes and skydive down uh, into the, like these silos when they're hunting down Brixton. And it really just reminded me of the ejecto cedo cuz line. Um, is that in, I think that's in Too Fast, Too Furious. Oh, yes, of course. It yeah. Is. Okay. Delivered, okay. Delivered by Tyrese, of course. I mean, best script, definitely Too Fast, Too Furious. But um, it reminds me of that because I think it's Hobbs who pushes Shaw's button. Maybe it's the other way around, but one of them pushes the other one. And I'm like, just say ejecto cedo because you know you want to. Because very reminiscent of that scene. Um, yeah. I also noted that they do carpool in this film a lot, which is something we've talked about. Because this is not the most, like, racing film. In fact, it's probably the least racing film of the franchise. I did write down, at the 40-minute mark, there was kind of a race. And to be honest, I don't even remember what it was. (laughs) 40-minute mark. Hmm. And it's probably more like a chase scene. Yeah, I'm wondering if that's the Brixton like chase scene kind of towards the beginning. Uh where it's like Brixton and a bunch of the other guys on the motorcycles versus the cars. Yeah. But I, I can't remember like the, exactly. The movie went for fight scenes that are less serious, more humor based. It's it's a break from uh, Dom being super serious and having super serious fights. I just yeah. like, I know it's like the part where Hobbs first has to detain Hattie when she's on the run. I thought that was a funny fight scene because obviously Hobbs would like destroy her. But mm-hmm. He just keeps kind of messing around as she keeps trying to get away. There's one part in particular I thought was funny where he just like straight up deadlifts Hattie into the air. And there's, there's like, this scene of, like, a rock soundtrack going that reminded me of Baby Driver, and I liked the vibe. Mm. It was fun. Um, there's a movie has some... Oh, there's one where they're driving in the cars in one scene, and the rock punches through the windshield at a motorcycle that's coming towards their car, and then clothesline the guy and like grabs onto his shirt when he comes by and then like slams him into a concrete wall as they passed it. Ooh, yes. Which I thought was spectacular and would have to absolutely have broken, you know, his arm in reality, but I'm all for it. <laughs> and like ha- during that scene, Hattie does like a double take <laughs> through the window. <laughs> when she sees it which i thought was funny there's just some good um good fun good fun uh 
fight scenes in this. Yeah. What what did you think of Hattie in general? I think that Vanessa Kirby kills it in this film. She's good. And she gets to do some good, some cool stuff too with fight scenes. They made her competent. She's fun. I really enjoyed and I hope it continues if we ever get um Hobbs and Shaw sequels. The flirting between her and Dwayne Johnson, I was all for it. Felt like I was watching a soap opera a bit where I was just like, yes, yes, make it happen. Yeah, I think it's kind of fun. I think like without Deckard there, it wouldn't be as fun, you know, like it's kind of the fact that Hobbs is trying to get back at him by flirting with his sister, which is kind of weird. But I don't I do, know if he's getting back at him. I, I think, think it, he, it starts that way, at least. But well, he he wasn't. I feel like at the beginning he wasn't really flirting with her, and then Jason Statham brings it up, and Hobbs is kind of like offended, like, "No, I'm not doing it." But then he's also like, "But I could if I wanted to, and if she wanted me to." And then and then they lean into and it, and then they yeah, then they start doing the actual flirting. I thought it was funny. I'm all for. Hobbs having a um uh love interest because it's something different than Letty and Dom which is all yeah. we're left with now that Mia and Brian is no longer yeah needs something uh do we know what happened to Hobbs's previous wife or the mother of his child because I don't, I don't think she's mentioned ever yeah and my guess given how often (laughs) Hobbs is gone the mother is still alive at the very least and she probably divorced him because he's you know always done 60 hours a week like either lifting weights or catching bad guys (laughs) yeah that would make the most sense, I think. I feel like there's got to be at least one line in one of these films that I like swear tells there's us, but... not, but there could be. <laughs> Maybe, well, what if she is the leader of this Etion group? I don't know, man. That leaves room. Stop, you're just spoiling the sequel. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. That, that's Hobbs and Shaw 2, which I am currently writing. Um, they're not going to credit me, but, uh, I will be a writer on it for sure. Oh, one part with the plane scene, since we're kind of on that. Yeah. I did like the Kevin Hart cameo. Oh yes. I want to talk about that because I don't know if you ever watched central intelligence. I did not. The movie with that's the rock and Johnson, Kevin Hart. Hart. Yes. That movie is not as bad as you would think it is, and it's partly because Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart have great chemistry in it, and, you know, Dwayne Johnson's super likable. So I, I was jazzed about the about that uh, cameo, just because I, I think they had the chemistry already, and there's also, like, maybe a little itty-bitty bit of lore, <laughs> if you think yeah. about Central Intelligence. I do think Kevin Hart is another underutilized character, but maybe he'll be back um, for more. Uh, yeah, and they also I mean, did the weird, like, 
child humor again, where they were making fun of his name, which is Air Marshal Dinkley, which is just, I don't really know why they were like so obsessed with Dinkley, but they thought it was funny, I guess. They do latch on to jokes that they should let go of. I I think other Fast and the Furiouses have had it. There's one in particular I'm thinking of. I I just don't remember what it is, but it's like they try to make recurring jokes a thing, but they don't pick the right jokes to make recurring jokes. Yeah. There is a line I have written down that I think is hilarious, and I don't remember what it said, but someone does say genocide, schmenocide, which I... That's, yeah, uh, Brixton says that. Ah, yeah. I enjoyed that. I wrote A plus next to that one. I always, <laughs> I'm all for lines like that in my movies. That's um the scene where he's like electrocuting them, uh, and oh. they're sitting down, and I think they're like arguing with him, and he's like genocide, schmenocide. <laughs> I was it caught me off guard. I love it. I yeah. do think that. So for me, like that scene before they get electrocuted, they're like raiding the facility. Uh, the whole lead up to it, I like that once again, it's kind of the comedy fight scenes between Deckard and Shaw where they're like competing, like who can beat up people faster. Yeah, the like split screen going on. Yeah, and like Hobbs is disappointed because Shaw's taking too long to like get through the locked door. and um, But this scene, like when I was watching this, it felt like, oh, they're raiding the facility. This is, like, the climax. This is the end of the movie. And then, like, I looked at the time left, and there was, like, an hour left, and I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, from there, let's go to uh, Samoa, where the, like, whole third act of this film takes place. I was excited for Samoa, because at least for action movies like this, when you want to just, like, be nonstop action, crazy stuff, I just, like, I want to see them film in a bunch of different places, do a bunch of fight scenes. So it's like Samoa is someplace they haven't gone in the past universe. Yeah. I like the, the vibe of the whole place that they built up. It's something different. It's a bit of a bit of an adventure movie when they go to something a little more exotic than London. Yeah. I think that um, Samoa is great in this film because they really like, they use the land to their advantage a lot and it feels like like they're taking the battle to like a homeland and a much more peaceful place um but at the same time uh Hobbs is struggling with his familial issues uh that we don't know too much about aside from I guess he like ratted out his family um I don't remember exactly what happened I did think in terms of character backstories in the fast universe uh Dwayne Johnson's or Hobbs's was the strongest at least it's not like amazing or anything but it was the most I could get behind just because uh the lady that played his mom was awesome I fucking love Cliff Curtis and I love that he's his brother in it the or the, the eldest brother yeah Cliff Curtis is a great actor and I don't know, like, Hobbes' backstory is the one I could buy the most. It's like, it, it feels like it realistically fits into the character. Other than, like, uh, in, in terms of my issues with the whole Samoa area, is just, like, 
it's this thing this show does where like everybody they know just happens to be like the best at everything. It's just like my brother's the best mechanic, and you know, yeah, the whole island. And then like you know, like ten minutes later, he's fixing like a complicated medical device that a astrophysicist Nobel Prize winner created, and it's like really, <laughs> yeah. This this whole device was made by a, the Nobel Prize winning scientist who was held captive by a, a million dollar villainous corporation, and you can just fix it in a body shop. <laughs> yeah, best mechanic ever. Um, I do think that what they did really uh, smartly with this is they left Hobbes's family out of the main story until now. Like, they weren't like, oh, these are all, like, Shaws, or these are all Toretto's. They're like, no, this is a separate family. They live on a different island um, far away that will not be in the story aside from, like, when he goes home to see them. Yeah. So I think that that helped a lot. Uh, I also agree, Cliff Curtis, great actor. Little underutilized in this film, but there's only so much time. Uh, Samoa is the last part of this film, so only so much time. Maybe we'll see more of him in Hobson Shaw too. Um, what yeah. do you think of the aesthetics of Samoa? I do laugh at the. I like it, but it's like very Mad Max inspired, where all the cars are like intentionally rusty. Hmm like yeah. around the island and, and like the guy runs a body shop and stuff and i'm just like why is every car rusty here but they don't look dirty it looks like they've been rusted on purpose it, it's almost like a, you know that's what they did when they probably made the cars for the movie it's just kind of yeah. funny to me and it, it's an aesthetic that fast and the furious has gone to a couple times like specifically when they're in cuba and yeah f8 it's just, they just have these like clean but rusty cars that they always make like are like older more muscle kind of cars it's just it's fun though it's you know very mad maxi like i said yeah i guess that's how they differentiate uh like the mainland us and the uk uh and i guess tokyo where they have like really futuristic technology uh, and then you go to Samoa where I guess they don't even have weapons anymore. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It didn't bother me. I wouldn't say I, I do like it. Uh, and it also builds for the more realistic battle toward the end, which I'll say realistic, like in what kinds of cars they have that they're not all like race cars, but the way they use them is not realistic. Um, yeah, I think it, it feels more realistic. Like, this is something that I would see in real life as opposed to Ferraris driving down every street. Yeah. Or, or Chargers driving down every street. So so what do you think about the last sequence, the, the whole fight sequence? I like the hand-to-hand bits with the yeah. Samoans doing their warrior chants and just, like, storming the super soldier boys beating them up with sticks yeah pipes and whatever yeah i like that they showed that they are fighters and protecting their their land basically um 
and also protecting all of civilization, I guess. Uh, and I like the fact that they were able to, I don't know how, but not use guns through this whole time and kind of had to bring it back to cars where they're trying to take down this helicopter uh, with a bunch of trucks and yeah, it's they, glorious, like, but not realistic. Or but, something. Like yeah. shut down their tech so they couldn't use it. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think Hattie hacks their tech somehow, but I'm not going to go too far into that because it's not explained. Um, but uh, yeah, I like the idea of linking all these trucks together on a cliff. Uh, would it work? Probably not, but it's fun to watch. Um, and then I will like the very end of this film, the weather changes completely. And I don't know if I blinked or what, but it starts pouring rain. And I, I understand tropical storms, but this storm truly comes out of nowhere. I do think they mention a storms coming and it might be in one uh, of those climates that they get like monsoons out of nowhere. Yeah. Maybe I missed it. And I'm also not a meteorologist, so I can't comment on how weather works. But it was very wild that it went from like the nicest day ever to yeah. maybe the worst tropical storm I've ever seen. Um, so I did the fight scene against Idris, I think is pretty good. Yeah. They definitely packed in some cheesy lines through it. I did like um, it was there's a one where they're figuring out how to fight him because he's like too fast and he has like his like eyes can predict hits and stuff like that. Yeah. But there's like a because you know they've been kind of contentious with the movie and then they say if we work together we can hurt him and I was just like wow incredible. (laughs) Yeah it only took them that long to figure it out too that they just both need to attack him at once at the same time. Dwayne Johnson has a line where he says, brother, you may believe in machines, but we believe in people. It's but like, people need to evolve. Yeah. <laughs> How are they going to evolve without chips? Zach um, confirmed join, joining Etheon. Yeah, I would I join them. It, it depends on who leads them. Because uh, we still don't know that. I'm very yeah, curious. Join them too. There's some... I was looking up some theories and there's some that are like, it might be Ryan Reynolds character. And I'm like, okay, I don't know if I'd like that. So they, I think that's only because he does the voice. He does the the voice. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's the only thing you can hold to it, which I mean is like, Obviously, it's pretty good evidence if you wanted to just, like point to the credits and go like, "Look, it's him. <laughs> He's yeah. the voice." But it's probably not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could be someone above him too. Like he might be a part of it. But um, yeah, I I do wonder who it is. I'm kind of surprised that they left that open, and they clearly really wanted to start like a new franchise with this because I don't know why you would leave that open. I hope um, they do. They're supposed to, but I mean, because it's, it's the only way we're so gonna hard. get. It's the only way we're gonna get Hobbs and fast movies now that Vin Diesel's yeah. a little punk. Well, okay, so I read that The Rock didn't want to be in F Nine, 
but might come back for F10. So I don't know if that's a Vin Diesel issue at this point or if it's the Rock's schedule. Um, but I guess time will tell. Because I doubt that they can do Hobbs and Shaw 2 and F10 with The Rock. But at the same time, this guy's releasing like Jumanji and Jungle Cruise in the same year. Well, it was supposed to be, I think. but And like tons of other films. So they've got time. He, he can do this all. But yeah. Man, um, man works hard. Yeah. With that, I don't think I have much else to say about Hobbs and Shaw. Do you have anything else? Um, no, I don't think so. I am, however, noticing on Dwayne Johnson's unreleased filmography that a Big Trouble in Little China remake starring him has been announced, which kind of disgusts me because as much as I like Dwayne Johnson, Kurt Russell is a god and that movie is a classic. I have not seen that movie, but I've heard great things. It's so. fantastic. Yeah. I will say I watched... Um, this is somewhat off uh, from what you just said, but I watched uh, Police Story for the first time. And oh, yeah. That was beautiful. I don't know if I talked about this on the last pod or not, but uh, beautiful movie. It's hilarious. It's really good. Yeah, it was much funnier than I thought it would be. Um, Okay, so Hobbs and Shaw, what would you give as a rating? I give it three and a half. Three and a half, okay. At the end of this episode, we're going to give all our films ranked. So hopefully you at least have somewhat of an idea. You can think about it for a little bit. (laughs) But um, I gave Hobbs and Shaw a two and a half. So... And that I'll talk more about it in rankings later, but I think that we're going to move along. What I'm going to do right now is I'm going to put a break right here. So go grab another drink. If you're listening to this, go grab some snack because uh, we're going to take a break real quick and then we're going to talk about F9. Welcome back. We're on the second half of the season seven finale for franchises and filmogs, where we're talking about the Fast and the Furious franchise. Um, As you just heard, we just finished talking about the Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. And now we're going to go from the maybe longest title in the franchise to the shortest title with we're just going to talk about F9 released this year, 2021. This was, I think this was the first film I saw back in theaters uh, post-COVID or still some COVID. I don't know what we call this time right now. Uh, But this film, two hours, 23 minutes, PG-13. I think every film in this franchise is PG-13 up until this point, at least. Uh, Directed by Justin Lin. So someone very familiar with the franchise directed, I think, like four Fast and Furious films already. This one had a budget of $146 million. Is that correct? Because that is less than Hobbs and Shaw. Um, That was the estimated budget I read. So hopefully I read that right. But I'm kind of surprised that's less than Hobbs and Shaw. 
so far, though, it has grown. Wikipedia is 200 to 225 million. Hmm. Maybe IMDb lied to me or I read the wrong fact. Uh, so far, I have the cumulative worldwide gross at $546 million, which sounds about right. Because that's almost up to the Hobson Shaw amount. That's about $200 million shy of Hobson Shaw. And we also have to consider that this film could not be seen by a lot of people in theaters, probably because of COVID. And a lot of people aren't going to theaters. So there's all that. Um, This is the longest Fast and Furious film of the franchise. Not by much, by about 10 minutes, I think. Uh, so that's the only fact I've got. There aren't a lot of facts right now on IMDb, so that's the only one I really noted. So without any more facts, we can go into the film. And again, we did not take notes during the film. So what I did is I went back, looked over the plot again. Um, I thought about seeing this film again in theaters, but I really couldn't sit through two hours and 23 minutes of this again. So I just looked through the plot, took some notes. So we're going to go ahead and start. Um, I want to talk about the most important thing in this film. And as most Fast and Furious films, that is family. Uh, We're introduced to Dom's brother, who is a villain for a majority of this film. And I don't know why they do this. But there are like 10 flashbacks in this film. And I want to know what you think about young Dom and young Jacob. And if they look anything like Dom and Jacob. Because I really don't think so. I mean, honestly, I think the young Dom they chose was pretty darn good. I think it's the best you're going to get in terms of replicating Vin Diesel. I thought he had an interesting look to him. Kind of remind, it kind of looked like Benicio del Toro a little. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I like Finn Cole. I am a fan of Peaky Blinders, but he I he was not it for a young John Cena. The other thing I really wanted to talk about is I can't remember right now because I haven't seen this film in about three or four weeks, but they are from somewhere else. I want to say Puerto Rico. Is that correct? That where is Dom supposed to be from? I think it's ambiguous. Kind of like Vin Diesel states his own ethnicity is, which is kind of ambiguous. Does he wait like in real life? He does that. Yeah, I, I think he considers himself just kind of a mix of a lot of different ethnicities, which yeah. he kind of looks like it. I, I don't think he's entirely sure, because I don't think... I thought is... that in this film, they said where they're from, and I was like, what? Because like, everywhere I look, I'm like, Dom is American, and I would find that to be... Or um, Vin Diesel is American, from like what I read. And well, I found so it to be, like, really weird that they would, like, he would say that he's not. So, and John I Cena Vin, also. I think Vin Diesel has, like, because his 
uh, biological father was not in his life at all. Oh, well, I'm learning because I didn't know all this. Yeah, so I, I, I think, I don't think he's of like purely American descent. Yeah, Diesel has stated that he is a, of ambiguous ethnicity. Hmm. Like his mother is English, but I think his um, father was probably like maybe has some Latin in him, maybe some African in him. Who knows? Okay. That's always that's how I've always uh, interpreted Dominic too. Is comes from a family that is probably has some Latin ethnicity, which is why he's always in Latin America. South America. Yeah. And I'm guessing he has, you know, some some African American descent in him as well, kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. That that helps me a little bit. Um But it does make it weird just because I, I think they pick a great young actor for Dom and that he, he looks kind of interesting and ambiguous. Yeah. And, like, because Vin Diesel has an interest. He's an interesting-looking guy. Like, you can't really pin him down. John Cena's pretty cut and dry, and Finn Cole's pretty cut and dry. So it's, like, they, they don't match. They don't look like brothers. More like adoptive brothers, not instead of biological. Yeah. So I also read somewhere that um, in one of the young doms is Vin Diesel's son, I think. Uh, but I don't remember seeing that because the one that looks older, that's, I don't, that's not his son. Um, there's like, there must be some younger one that I don't really remember seeing on the screen, but maybe there's some flashback where he's really young. Um, but yeah, so I found that interesting. And what do you think about Dom and, or Vin Diesel and John Cena as brothers? Cause I also think that's a weird choice, but I guess I mean, who do you, you put wanna, against? If we wanted to just get caught up on looks, it's an odd choice. In terms of the action it could create on screen, I think it's a great choice. Okay. I like you know, John Cena. I like I that, like him actually. in movies. I'm not too caught up in I think a lot of people are when you know, when people get announced to certain characters, especially like maybe characters that have long histories outside of film, maybe like comic books kind of stuff like like you go back to like um people like christian bale getting cast as batman or even heath ledger as joker a lot of people get hung up on the looks and it's like well he doesn't look like it and like all that matters is the acting you know if they act, mm-hmm. i don't give a shit if they look like the source material at all or you know if i have to you know i'm not gonna sit here a notepad out and be like, well, because of this and this, they could not possibly be biologically related. I don't care. The acting good is the action good is the chemistry good. I really like that. And I think that I might've got caught up in like looks and and thinking about that. And I, I actually really like that explanation. And I think you are right that that is not necessarily something that needs to be focused on. Um, so yeah, I, I appreciate that, that opinion for sure. Um, I want to fast forward a bit and talk about Han. Han is back. Um, so we're not going to run through the whole, uh, plot of this film. We're, we're kind of going to hit certain points in Thank it. God. Um, because 
first of all, I don't remember the whole plot and it is a very long movie and very complex plot with like every character ever uh, in Fast and Furious films, except Hobbs and Shaw. But um, Han is back and I want to talk about Han's death. So we're explaining that Deckard Shaw was told to fake kill Han in order to save someone else, L, who has DNA. I don't think Deckard Shaw was told to fake kill him. Hmm. I was reading that. I didn't really remember that. I thought, I think Deckard got bamboozled. To I kill think him? Deckard thought he c- killed Han, but he was bamboozled by the other people that needed to keep Han alive and make him fake his death or something. Okay, maybe that's right. I don't um, know. Maybe Shaw was in on it. Yeah, I'm not I sure. I don't think but... it matters. <laughs> Anyways, Han survives and has to protect this girl L, who has uh, DNA that can activate a nuclear. Or um, that can activate weapons, basically. Uh, or this machine that can activate weapons. So uh, that's why he is back, but also hidden. But I want to talk about the actual death and what you think about the explanation of the death, if you remember this at all. Uh, because I think it's really piss poor. <laughs> <laughs> it is absolutely pissed for it's blah 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 it's like they don't ever try when they whenever it comes to han and explaining why he still exists in the universe just they just don't try they spend five minutes it's like we don't even know how it works it, it's like there's what is there like a hologram of hobbs in the car hobbs or, or sorry uh, hobbs. yeah <laughs> is there a hologram of hans in the car Han in the car, and because all Han says is like, "Oh, neat trick, neat magic trick." That's what, what are I, you talking about? It made absolutely no sense because who was driving the car? It's, it's like, just Han like a gets hologram. in that car and drives that car, and then somehow is replaced with a hologram that we see. But I also couldn't tell if it's just like Han disappeared and was in the car, but it just looks like a hologram. So My only I don't understand. Could be that at some point during that chase scene in Tokyo Drift, Han gets out of the car, and they have yeah. because we're not. It's no longer 2007 technology here anymore. The car drives itself with the hologram Han in it, kind of like. <laughs> Or, or maybe even like in Men in Black when they have the little blow-up dummies that can replace them in their cars in that movie. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, there's some decoy Han in a car that's driving itself, and then it gets... Yeah, that's kind of what it seems, is like Han must have gotten out of the car at some point or something. But then if Deckard wasn't in but... on it, like how, how would they know he was going to get killed by day? I... It's bad. I think Deckard has to be in on it because otherwise, like, why wouldn't he be like looking for the body after he hit? I mean, I guess it's pretty clear that whoever is in the car is dead after it explodes. But 
Yes, I don't considering know. they had like a funeral for him and everything. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's just like they couldn't fix this. They just couldn't fix Han's death. And now at this point, I'm just like, I don't know if they should have uh, or even no. tried this. They now, maybe we could have gotten some spinoffs with Han instead, like older, um, like, like pre-Tokyo Drift spinoffs. Maybe we still can. <laughs> yeah, like maybe some, what's it called, Better Luck Tomorrow, is that the name of the film? Uh, maybe some sequels to that, because that yeah. I think is the prequel to Tokyo Drift. Yep. Um, or to Han's character, at least. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I think we're pretty in agreement on Han's death was horrible, uh, the explanation for how he survived. Um, we do get... Sean Boswell, Twinkie, and Earl back in this film. And I had another question for you. Do you remember this Earl guy at all? Because I do not. Yes. He is the crew that hangs around Sean the most is uh, his girl with the Australian accent. Yeah. Han, Twinkie, and then there's two other characters that are always there but they're more in the background they like tweak and work on the car a lot when he's practicing it's earl and then this other girl okay because i was like i really don't recognize they do like a lot of the tweaking on the car maybe some like computer stuff to see how fast it's going how well it's drifting it's what they do in tokyo drift so okay all right that makes sense i assumed at first i was like like, is this just some random new guy uh, I thought he might be some random new guy at first because I really just didn't recognize this guy at all. Um, and he's not like Bow Wow where I'd be like, oh, that's Bow Wow. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, maybe he's famous. Bow wow, I, yeah. I did not even recognize it as Bow Wow. And I'm sorry, uh, Shad Moss. He looks terrible. Hmm. I don't really Bow remember wow, what he looks like in this. He looks so bad. That was the first thing I noticed. He's man's put on a bit of weight. And he looks way older than... I'm going to say everyone from Tokyo Drift looks like they have aged a lot compared to the rest of the cast. And I don't know if it's a makeup thing or what, but like Sean, Twinkie, Earl, and Han even looks a lot older. Yeah, I, I think part of it is like cut Han's hair, but like, yeah. Bow Wow definitely like legitimately aged his point. And then, I think, I don't know if that's what uh, Lucas Black looks like now, but he also, like, it does look like the last few years haven't been too kind. Yeah, they look like they're, like, 50. Part of it is the character and the wardrobe they gave him. Like, I feel like they did Sean dirty. They made him, like, I don't know how he went from where he was in Tokyo Truth to just being, like, looking like ultimate trailer trash some insane hick in germany like strapping rockets to a car like i just don't even see how it's like at all even tangential to sean's character in tokyo drift or yeah like, how do we go from there and then like three to five years later he's some crazy guy in germany trying to strap rockets to a car to go faster I don't know. It's they didn't they didn't dirty. They did Sean dirty. Yeah, I also really like the like 
the crazy shit that these three guys are doing together and are like not noticed by any government agency that they're just like strapping rockets to cars at this like random runway. Um, yeah. Uh, so Queenie is back as well uh, for a scene to tell Dom where to find Jacob because Dom for most of this film is hunting down Jacob because Jacob is the bad guy because Jacob killed their father supposedly but the father was in on it I guess and he was the father was dumb so it's very complex I don't want to get that far boggled into the story if you haven't seen the film I guess you should see it um but it's a lot of backstabbing going on and a lot of family backstabbing so Helen Mirren looks fucking cool again, though. Yeah. I love her as queen. She just looks, she looks so good. The woman's like 75. Bow wow, why do you look like that? And why does a 75-year-old woman look this cool? I was going to say, she looks younger than Bow Wow. She does. Um. She looks amazing. (laughs) Shout out to Helen Mirren. She looks less fatigued than Bow Wow, for sure. Um, But yeah, she returns to tell Dom where to find Jacob. And then Dom hunts down Jacob. And then Dom ends up in jail. And we get another cameo from someone else, uh, none other than Cardi B, who breaks Dom out of jail. And we get for like one scene where he's like, you're an old friend. And she's like, yeah. And that's like the whole scene. One of the so worst I don't cameos. Know why. Yeah, it's awful. It like doesn't fit at all. Fast and Furious. Yeah. The acting isn't good either. No, it's really not. It's like clear that. Like, I don't know if she just really wanted to be in the film or if someone else, like, really wanted her to be in the film for one scene, but it just doesn't fit. And there's really no reason for it. Um, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, And that's nothing really against Cardi B. I just don't know why she had to be, like, in this film, in this role. So, didn't like that. That's pretty much all the cameos we get, aside from Cypher is back. Cypher is, like, the big bad now that, uh, Deckard Shaw is good, I guess. We had to go with Cypher as the big bad. Um, But I also wrote down that there are way too many fucking magnets throughout this film. Um, Half this film is just like them driving around with giant magnets in their cars and pulling things out of buildings and out of alleyways. Uh, And it's very overdone, in my opinion. And at first I was like, that's pretty cool. But it's also kind of like when they're using the autopilot for the cars, when Cypher like controls all the cars and it is very reminiscent of that. But instead, they're just pulling things and pulling other people's cars. It's interesting at first, but it's a lot of it. So it's a fun it's a fun trick, but they needed a a new shtick to go with. Yeah. It's cool, they do some cool things with it, but they really should have cut it down to, like, the coolest stunts with it, and then cut out any, like, filler with it. Yeah. Um, and then the... So there's, like, three villains, really, in this film. One is Jacob, who ends up turning uh, because family, and because this other guy, Otto, who Jacob was working with, betrays Jacob. So Jacob's like, oh, I guess my family's better than you. Well, yeah, he betrays him to pair with Cypher, because the yeah. Fast and Furious is really pushing Cypher as the ultimate bad guy. Yeah. Which I like Charlie's Theron, but 
the character is. Cypher's kind of lame. I feel like it can only improve for Cypher from here, like, (laughs) character-wise. So, because, yeah, I haven't really liked Cypher from the start. But they're she going did, like, for that. She did like nothing to be like some. She's like a catalyst at the end, being mm-hmm. a villain and like turning the tides on the current villain. And like that's a big role. It's a major player, but she does like nothing for the entire movie. Other she than does, like, other than do her best, Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lamb impersonation, which is <laughs> in a glass box. <laughs> yeah, she just says pointless shit that means nothing. Like. She keeps doing like this uh psychological shit on Jacob to like pierce into him and and she you know she says something that she thinks is super profound and like gives him that look like I'm such a villain and it's like she's like shut up cypher you're stupid. Yeah. Nothing makes cypher... make sense. So far cypher's pretty boring. I think that there might be room for like Charlie's throne to like show that she is really good at like fighting now um in a later installment in this franchise because we don't really see her do hand-to-hand combat i don't think in any of these films yet Uh, maybe there was like one or two scenes but underused this she just kind of every movie just ends with her like walking away (laughs) yeah she's just controlling people throughout the film yeah she doesn't actually do anything anything. they also give her an awful bowl cut she went from dreads to a bowl cut. <laughs> yeah. Just give her. Isn't that great? Just give her like Charlie's hair. Yeah. She has nice the hair. Atomic blonde. Yeah. Um, yeah. The film ends with her bombing Otto, so she survives, and she's probably going to be back. Um, I'll <laughs> place like a ninety-five percent chance bet on that. Um. But the last thing I kind of wanted to talk about with this film specifically was space. Um, Fast and Furious has finally done it. They have gone to space. uh, And maybe my two favorite characters go to space. So Roman and Tej use equipment built by Sean, Twinkie, and Earl (laughs) to take a car into space. And then they have thrusters uh, all to shut down this technology that is going to lead, I think, to like a nuclear war. Um, Eat shit, Elon Musk. Roman yeah. Tej are here. Yeah, they they have shown us all how easy it is to get to space. And it's extremely easy, apparently. Um, yeah, I think the space scene is cool. It's fun. I'm glad they finally did it. You know, I know yeah. there's been some criticism that it's like, oh, it's too self-aware. And it's like, I don't give a shit. I wanted them to go to space. They went to space. They went to space. I'm, I was not expecting it to go like this. Like, I didn't think they would literally just like drive cars into space. But uh, I'm okay with that. And they don't overstay like it's not like half the film is taking place in space. Now, I don't know if there's going to be more Yeah, they just kind of ram films. a satellite. Yeah. And it's it's only two characters. Like, it's not a bunch of people fighting in space. So I'm yeah. okay with that. And it, it, um, they did pick the best characters. It's probably the, the only ones that they could have sit in a car that's going to space and talk to each other with, <laughs> like, in the franchise. I feel like... Yeah. 
Ludacris and Tyrese are the only actors you can put, like, at this point, close together in a car and have it be entertaining in this franchise. Yeah. It was almost more insane to me that, like, Charlie's Throne or uh, Cypher flies in at the end in, like, an F-22 and just flies away, and that's it. Like, it was a lot more, like, script in space as opposed to action in space, so. Yeah, she's, like, remote piloting it, like, the... Yeah. It's, like, the people oh, that's right. in yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy 2. <laughs> oh, the golden people? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I forgot she was not actually in the plane. At first, it looks like she's in the plane, um, yeah. but then it, like, crashes, right? Or I yeah, think the it crashes, plane crashes, and then, and then we find out she's actually in, like, a simulator. Yeah, it cuts to her, like, sighing loudly. Yeah. So that is all I have for F9. I don't know if there's anything else you want to talk about specifically. Yeah, so um, I have my... Um, some negatives to go over for sure that are big one thing i do want to bring up that i'm a huge fan of is and it's something i noticed this like in the beginning sequence of the movie by the way we should even quickly talk about one of the early action sequences i think is one of the best parts of the movie the minefield yeah when they're in the jungle in the minefield and so they have to you know, they, they fight some soldiers and they have to have a cool chase scene through, like, a minefield that reminds me of, like, what Spielberg would do with, like, Indiana Jones or something. Yeah. And we get the uh, the scene in the trailer, the scene where they latch the rope of the bridge that is, like, collapsing and blowing up onto their car and use it as a tether to swing across a gap between two mountains. Yeah. It's a it's a cool scene. It is really cool. I like it a lot. It is. It's kind of like the Hobbs and Shaw like swinging the helicopter scene. Um but this is much cooler. Uh, but there's a scene that might be overlooked that I hope has ramifications for the later versions where uh, Rome gets left behind and there's soldiers surrounding him on all sides coming in and he grabs a gun and like mows down like oh, eight soldiers on that. all sides of him and survives and kills everybody and he's like a god I noticed during the scene after the shooting on his like costume on his jacket there were bullet holes on him like, on his chest and his arm. And I was like, when I was watching that, I was like, is that bullet holes they put there? Or is, is it just, like, dirt that they put on it? And then later in the, the movie, Rome mentions to Tez, Tej, like, dude, I think we're immortal. Yeah. We're invincible. And he shows him, he's like, look, these are bullet holes on my jacket. How am I not dead? And for me now, it is canon that Roman is invincible kind of like all uh bruce willis and unbreakable <laughs> he's just a, a normal guy and everything else except that you can't get hurt yeah and he he constantly die. brings that up throughout the movie to tej i really uh, like hope when they go to space canon. also so i really hope it's canon i think it's gotta be at this point but i thought like roman was like we're all invincible 
which I makes it lame. I believe it's but only Roman. I'm I think it. it would be maybe funnier. Roman and Tej, but it would be funnier if it was only Roman, in my opinion. Yeah, what if Roman me? is the only one alive at the end of this franchise? Ah. Reminds me of the uh, Saints Row franchise of games that had a similar trajectory to Fast and the Furious, where like. The first game, you're like a small-time gangster. Then the second game, you're leading a gang. And then, mm. like, the third gang... Or third gang. The third game, your gang becomes, like, pop culture icons. And then you become the president, and you have superpowers. Yeah. So, it, it like, it's a similar trajectory, and I hope it, it keeps up with that. And, you know, we just have superhero Roman. There's also a scene in the minefield where the truck falls on Roman and there is like no opening in like the only way I he would survive it, is if there's like an opening. It. Okay. Oh, okay. That would make the most sense. But maybe it cuz it on looked him. like it lands right on him. Mm-hmm. Uh and it's hard to see exactly what happens cuz it happens very quickly. And it's like we a wait like a second and he walks see. out and I was like there was no hole in the ceiling. So like how but maybe you're right and it is behind him or something so i think that's where it first comes up unless that's after the the guys surround him he well he like he brings it up to um tej after like they get back to base or whatever yeah oh okay um there's also uh mr nobody like, the whole reason they go to that jungle is because Mr. Nobody's plane crashed, so I don't know if that means he's dead now. I assume oh, not. I, just, I didn't even realize he doesn't show up again. Yeah, because his, that's his plane that crashes, and it looks like he just crashes and dies, but I'm sure that he's still alive, because they're not just going to kill him off like Yeah, that. I completely forgot he doesn't even get, like, brought up again. <laughs> it is weird that they're not talking about, like, his death, so... I don't know, but what else you got? So, negatives in this movie. I did bring up that I had no issues with the John and Cena casting, but I have issues with how they wrote the character. And Mm -hmm. they made him like a second Dom. And we brought up time and time again in the episodes of this podcast that Dominic Toretto is boring. Vin Diesel plays it so straight. The dialogue is always so self-serious, so indulgent on him being the, like, prophet of the group that's, like, this central moral compass and that always has to bring up, like, family values and blah, 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 blah. And they make, like, they just do that with John Cena. He just has a habitual scowl on the entire movie, like, free John Cena. I feel like, you know, like, Dwayne Johnson and Dave Bautista have proven that these WWE superstars that are transitioning to acting are incredibly Mm -hmm. entertaining because their jobs already were acting and entertaining live in front of people. They probably have improv skills. They have yeah, and they have fighting skills. They're they're great actors because they can do fight scenes. They can do it convincing, and because they're fun and entertaining. And I think John Cena can be really fun and entertaining. So he seems like he's a funny guy, but they make him so serious and boring. And it's like 
they could have made him the antithesis of Dom and made him like really funny and sarcastic. Yeah. I and, think like, that John all the time. It would have been fun. Yeah, I think John Cena's going to be great in the Suicide Squad and that's yes, just going to prove gonna like how much different. And he's also going to be playing that character in a TV show I think on HBO Max that just wrapped filming. So that should be interesting. Yeah, so but, do you uh, see even yeah. just in the little trailer of the Suicide Squad, you could you can see there that he's fun. He's gonna be fun. It's just oh it yeah, he has sucks. charisma for sure. It sucks that they wrote him so stale. Yeah, I just I don't understand that decision at all. And I I think the other big flaw that we had, like we mentioned, Hans, um, death is poorly explained. But it's it's like um, oh yeah, the whole extra backstory on it, like the what happens after he dies in between the movies that we don't see. Like they bring some like girl that's like he's like adopted after he saw their parents get killed because he's working for Mister Nobody, and it's just like this long winded flashback sequence that is so boring yeah and it has to be the most boring part of the film in Hmm. my opinion is just because like around this part there's a lot of dialogue and none of it is very good yeah i really don't like there's a lot of flashbacks throughout this film and i think there are just too many and they're trying to explain too much at this point like, this is the first time they're really explaining anyone's, like, past in depth. And it's just, like, I don't know why they decided to do it all at once. But it takes away from this film, in my opinion. It's a crazy amount of exposition that doesn't matter at all. And Yeah. I don't mind the flashback sequences of Dom's childhood. I was kind of down for it. It was, like, it was kind of a bit of a change of pace when it came up in the franchise because they've never really had flashbacks really at all I don't think so I enjoyed I enjoyed that I enjoyed maybe getting more development for Dom since he's been the same character for like the last five movies and hasn't budged a bit I think it was presented a little sloppy with how they broke it up Mm -hmm. I I do like that they didn't skip him beating the shit out of the guy with the wrench yeah, I think it got to me because at the very end of the film, there's a flashback and I was like, they didn't need to have the one at the end of the film. No, and it was like, that's when it was too much for me, really. And I was like thinking about it. and I'm like, there's just too much flashback. It, like, it's... They could have done it twice and I'd be fine. But they did it's... it like three or four times. So it's a writing failure too that he doesn't like the character's so built on this idea of family but he turned on his brother at a young age when he came out of like the prison he was in and like it was like he was in prison and he thought like he he pieced some stuff together and he's like oh well my brother must have killed my dad and he never talked to his brother about it he just like banished him. He just came told back. him to race. Yeah, he came back, challenged him a race, and banished him immediately. There was zero communication between them. He didn't actually ask if he did it. He didn't like ask about 
what happened or anything. It's just so weird that the guy is so built around family and like discarded his brother without even communicating with them. Yeah. You remember we were talking about like X-Men Origins because of Ryan Reynolds. Um, yeah. And I wrote down, do you remember like the end of that film where I don't remember who it is. It might be uh, Wolverine like tells this guy to just keep walking and he just like the end of that film is like he walks forever and probably dies or something. Uh, it reminded me of that where he's like, just keep driving. Never come back. <laughs> I just imagine like Jacob was just like driving like thousands of miles. It's goofy. Do you? Yeah. I had a question for you. Do you think Vin Diesel has had a little uh, Botox work done on his face? I don't know. I didn't really notice that. Like he has because like his face was looking a little pursed throughout the movie like the hmm. pursed lips like really like tight condensed looking face i don't know maybe I, I feel like he might have i thought it was a little funny i'll tell you with the money he's making off these films he definitely could oh yeah but, i do uh, think it's important to note with i think a lot of these writing failures this is the first movie since they started making them again after fast and furious that didn't have the primary screenwriter. I think his name is Chris Morgan. Oh, yeah. Since, uh, I think... Like F- the fourth one, right? Fast and Furious. Too Fast. I saw something that said, like, since Too Fast, Too Furious. Or something like that. I don't think so. Yeah, Tokyo Drift. is. You did Tokyo Drift and Onward. And Onward? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so that would be, like, this is the first time since Too Fast, Too Furious. Because he would did not write on that. Yeah, so I do think, like, the guy, you know, maybe deserves more credit on how he grounded the franchise to be... Yeah. A little more put together. Because the movie, I did like that it was... I liked the parts of the self-aware. I liked the ridiculous scenes. There was, of course, like... Justin Lin's a great director. Action yeah. sequences are good. The stunts are amazing. The movie looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's just the biggest flaws is that it's just so so sloppy writing wise. And it yeah. really does take away from it just because you want a movie like this to just be to me like Hobbs and Shaw isn't that it's like five minutes shorter. But Hobbs and Shaw feels like, you know, it's like it feels much more faster paced. And it's, yeah. like it's going through everything. It gets everything done. It doesn't dwindle on pointless flashbacks or exposition. And then, like, they were really missing that. Yeah. I think they really just tried to bring too much together with this film, uh, story wise. And that was a huge flaw on their part, is that it almost feels like they're trying to wrap up the franchise too quickly. When they don't need to. Um, but, yeah. Um, that being said, do you want to rate this film then go through some rankings? Yeah, I give it a two and a half out of five. I also exactly. gave it a two and a half out of five. Um, 
Yeah, I think we talked about reasons behind that. Uh, I don't know if Uh I'd recommend watching this in theaters. I guess if you really want to see it on a big screen, go for it. Uh, But I think it is a pretty weak installment in the franchise. I'd still watch it it, in theaters because it looks good. And I mean, like, what else are you going to watch? It's fun to go back. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If you're going back to theaters, like, this is a great film to go back and watch. Like, it's you get your money's worth. You're you're sitting there for a while uh, watching some fun stunts and a franchise that you're probably pretty familiar with. So it's a good blockbuster. Um, All right. Rankings. Do you want to go first? Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I guess I'll count down uh, 10, 10 to 1. Was it was 10, 10 to 1. Nice. So yeah. number 10, last place, Fast and Furious. I bitch about it a lot in the podcast. Go listen to that episode. Um, if you want to hear my thoughts, but it's just the worst one to me. I hate the story. I hate the driving, the action. It's like the movie before it hits its stride and what they had the direction they want to take the franchise. Uh, nine, I put Fast and Furious six because I think they couldn't capitalize on what they did in Fast Five and the, the, a lot of the jokes fell flat mm-hmm. and the action wasn't as entertaining. I feel like they didn't know how to continue it yet after they, they struggled on Fast Five. Uh, eight F nines. We just talked about Furious Seven. I put at seven. Nice. I think See what it's, you did there. it's solid, and I think it's just kind of the case of like those movies that I think have a more consistent pace and are more fun and entertaining later on. Uh, six Tokyo Drift holds a special place in my heart. It's nostalgia. I love its simplicity in hindsight with everything going on. It's a, it's a one of a kind. It's kind of the black sheep of Fast and the Furious, and I think it holds up. Number five, The Fate of the Furious. I think it's, uh, I mean, it's just like the whole ensemble cast, crazy stunts, ridiculous stuff happens. It's a lot of fun. Wayne Johnson and Jason Statham, I feel like, do a lot of heavy lifting in terms of this movie, keeping it afloat, which brings it to number four, Hobbs and Shaw, which I think is, like, really close to Fate of the Furious, but it cuts out some of the fat, the uninteresting fat, which is honestly Dominic Toretto. Yeah. And then three, I'm going to put the OG, the Fast and the Furious. This one, like... All the memes aside, before it became a franchise, it was a legit. It's a legitimately good film. It's a. It's like it's just a solid standalone film. That's fun. Obviously, you know it's set up a massive, massive franchise. It's probably one of the biggest ever. Yeah. But I mean, by itself, it has a lot of merit. It's like a solid character, a solid plot. It's kind of. I feel like it's pretty unique in terms of the world. It was glancing into street racing i don't know many that movies that had that beforehand and then two fast five i think is the most like solid compact and well made of the new ones in terms of bringing an ensemble cast and just having everybody play off each other well acting solid writing is tight to the point there's not a lot of um pointless 
parts of the movie really and then number one is just the goat too fast too furious it's got the simplicity of the early parts in the series. It's got the ridiculous fun of street racing. It's got Paul Walker and Tyrese, the best chemistry in the entire franchise, bar none. They're just so much fun. They look like they're having so much fun. It's just, I don't know, it's, just, it's the funniest movie, too, in my opinion. I, it can't be beat. Yeah. All right, here we go. I got mine. Uh, at number 10, I've got F9. Oof. I didn't like the organization so much of this film as we talked about. I didn't like the script very much. And the uh, story is just not great, in my opinion. At number nine, this is probably lower than most people, but I do have The Fast and the Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Um, I found it pretty dull. I like the trailer a lot more than the actual film. Um, <laughs> and I think that's because it has all the best moments of the film. It does go pretty quick, which is nice. But the script, I think it's not as sustainable as just an action scene in uh, F8 or anything like that. So um, it's a good first start for that franchise, maybe. Uh, at number eight, I've got Fast and Furious, the fourth film of the franchise. Um, pretty basic, feels kind of like a reboot, but not. It, it's pretty dull. Not a lot going on in that film. Uh, at number seven, I've got Fast and Furious 6. And quite honestly, I don't remember much of the plot of that film, so I can't really talk about why. But that's probably why it's so <laughs> low. Uh, at number six, I've got Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift, very fun film. Uh, kind of feels like a spinoff film, but quite fun. Lots of street racing, and I love Han, so uh, there's that. Uh, number five, I've got Furious 7. Uh, moving along. At number four, I've got The Fate of the Furious. A lot of people really didn't like that film from what I'm seeing, but I thought it was quite enjoyable. Um, and some of the best action stunts of the franchise for sure uh number three i've got the fast and the furious uh classic um number two i've got too fast too furious i think it is the best racing film of the franchise and also tyrese and brian are the best together on screen um Tyrese and Paul, I guess I should say. I don't know why I'm using his character name. Rest in peace. I interchange um, him all the time. <laughs> um, I think it's a part of I don't want to face the fact that Brian is no longer with us uh, or Paul is no longer with us. So um, at number one, that leaves Fast Five. I think that the introduction of The Rock into this franchise was brilliantly done. Uh, and that's probably the most fun film. And it's not way overly long. Uh, so it goes by quick as well. Uh, a little cheesy at times, but probably my favorite of the franchise. I think um, it's the most universally liked, I think. Fast yeah, five. I think it was a big turnaround for the franchise as well. Like, that's how we got to where we are now. So It's certainly the biggest turn in quality between movies between four and five. Yeah. 
Well, first of all, I want to thank you for joining me. We made it all the way through. Um, although I think you weren't on the first episode and that was my fault, but <laughs> it's been a great season uh, and I had a great time talking about these films. I will say that I am honestly so happy to be done watching Fast and Furious films because it is a lot to get through all of them. Um, Do we have the Wiz Khalifa song to play as we wish it goodbye? <laughs> you know, I could sing it to you. No, I'm just <laughs> I won't do that. Um, I would like to say that I won't do that because I'm afraid of copyright infringement, but I really won't do that because I don't have the voice. Um, uh, from here, what's next? I don't know yet. So if you are listening and you want to recommend next season is going to be probably a couple weeks from now. We're going to take at least a week off. Uh, depending on what we do, Steven might join us, might not. I'm not sure. Um, but I'll be in contact with him. Uh, Pick a good but, director. Yeah, next season I'm looking for a good director. If anyone has recommendations, let me know. Um, I've thought about doing Edgar Wright, Quentin Tarantino um Wes Anderson anything really so you can let me know via email all that stuff's in the podcast description you can let me know via social media all that stuff is also in the podcast description uh you can also rate the podcast that helps uh get noticed a little bit more um we do this for fun it's not the most regularly scheduled we kind of just hop on here try to do it once a week um but if you enjoy what you're listening to on Apple Podcasts, you can drop a rating. Um, if you don't enjoy it, you can still drop a rating there. Um, I'll be a little sad, but that's okay. Uh, aside from that, that's it. We are done. No more Fast and Furious for at least another year or two. <laughs> Maybe three. Um, yeah, Stephen, thanks for joining. Do you have anything you want to plug, say, whatever on here before we head out uh nope uh i would have recited the wiz khalifa song if i knew it but uh all i know is i will see you again on uh peace out ejecto cedo cuz